we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is At The Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio Network. I'm Walker Wildman. Good to be with you today on this edition of The Core. We'll have some guests with us later in the show. We'll have uh, two guests with us. We'll have uh, Paul Kamenier. He's uh, over at the National Legal and Policy Center. He's a senior counsel over there. Uh, We'll talk about the uh, donations that the Chinese Communist Party gave to the University of Delaware when uh, President Biden, uh, then um, Vice President, uh, opened the Biden Institute. So we'll talk about the Chinese money to the Biden Institute um, at the University of Delaware. That'll be in the second segment. And then in the third segment, We'll talk uh, to a previous guest of the show, Dr. Mark Sherwood, former uh, Oklahoma gubernatorial candidate. Talk to him about uh, what's being called by many physicians um, fifth-generation warfare. Um, That's the topic of COVID virus and these uh, experimental shots and uh, all that, that is going on from a medical standpoint. So we'll talk to Mark Sherwood in the last segment about that. We're in Psalm chapter 61 this week. If you want to watch the show, we're over at streaming.afa.net. We've also live, we're also live streaming the audio at EFR.net and on the American Family Radio app. Psalm 61, David says, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you. When my heart is faint, let me... Lead me to the rock that it, that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Psalm chapter 61, that's verses 1 through 3. Uh, the Lord is a strong tower against the enemy. Well, uh, jumping into some of the topics, I want to get to the first segment before we have our guest. Um, <clears throat> I've said multiple times, and, you know, I don't know why the people um, that, that run the country— in these bureaucratic agencies, I don't know why they can't just get stuff right. I mean, I've been saying this for months now, and and I don't even I don't even uh, I'm not even an expert. I'm not even a, you know a, uh, I didn't go to school for eight years and pay a half million dollars for a degree. But uh, inflation has been persistent, very very persistent for the past eighteen to twenty four months, and um, the Fed. Uh, Jerome Powell and the whole Fed, they, uh, the Federal Reserve, uh, they think that they can get inflation under control. <laughs> and they might can get inflation under control by destroying our economy. Uh, that's one way to get inflation under control. But the Federal Reserve didn't cause inflation. So the problem with this approach is that we're using other means to solve inflation and ignoring the primary root cause. The reason we have inflation, a few reasons, is we printed too much money and sent it out to everybody, quite literally. And on top of that, we uh, we have no 
self-control on how much money to spend and how much money not to spend. And then you pair with that uh, uh, Biden's war on energy, <laughs> you got a perfect scenario for inflation. And that's what we're experiencing today. And I've said it multiple times. If you don't get energy costs under control, then it doesn't matter what the Fed does. It really doesn't matter what the Fed does. And we're experiencing that now. Um, the <clears throat> former uh, Obama economic advisor, um, <clears throat> Jason Furman, he was on um, CNBC talking about this problem of persistent inflation, and he admits that uh, consumer price index, the key, uh, some of the key indicators of inflation, it's not really budging despite the Fed's month after month after month interest rate hikes. Let's listen to this. I think the markets are just ridiculously complacent about the inflation situation right now. Um, I look at tips. I look at swaps. They have break-evens of inflation of around 2%. I just don't see that. I don't see how we have inflation much below 3% this year. I don't see it coming down below that without a decent-sized recession. And nothing in this numbers gives me comfort. Yeah, it's not a surprise relative to the expectations we had yesterday. But compared to the narrative we had a month ago, where we thought inflation was coming down, where we thought, you know, it was jumping off from a low point. We now have core this month at an annualized rate just for the month of January of 5.1%. Even if you take out shelter, which is lagged, and the used cars, the so-called super core, you're at an annual rate of 4.3% for this month. That's faster than the pace in the last two months. And that is with some special things that were helping. Used cars, we got more relief there than we were expecting to. Medical services also fell. Those aren't things you can count on continuing to happen. So I think this inflation issue is real. I don't think it's going away anytime soon. And I think anyone who's overly calm about it is making me nervous. So we've got uh, an administration and a Federal Reserve that are, that are going about this all the wrong ways. And this this is brings about uh, the question: What is the overall goal here? Because it, it's not that these folks don't know that that the Federal Reserve didn't cause inflation. I mean, this is like, where have you been hiding? So if if we all know that Jerome Powell did not cause inflation, then why is he stepping up to the plate trying to fix it? And every economist from the Dumbest to the smartest will tell you that energy is a key driver of inflation. It affects everything. But why? Because the 18-wheelers and the planes that fly all of our consumer products around, they have to have fuel. And when energy costs are high, guess what? They're going to pass that on to the consumer. So why not open up the spigot of American energy and get gas back down to like a dollar seventy-five a gallon. Then you automatically begin lowering inflation. But we can't go the simple route. We can't think simple. We got to make things overly complex and complicated, and uh, destroy the economy in the in the meantime. So this was going to happen. Is most likely the Fed's going to just keep the pedal to the metal, ignoring the warning signs that they're not actually going to be able to fix this. 
and they're just going to run the economy into the ground. And, oh, they'll get inflation down, uh, but they'll also destroy billions and billions, possibly trillions in wealth in the meantime. And then they'll claim victory, uh, even though that's no victory at all. Um, Let's see. Moving on to a a couple other stories I want to get to. Um, This this, uh, war in Ukraine, uh, uh, what? What's well, been going on a year now, folks, a year. Can you believe it? A year. I told you, like, week one of it, uh, that we were going to be over there a long time. The U.S. absolutely is, is has no no self-control when it comes to when to go to war, how long to be there, what's our strategic objectives. We we have no, no we're like, uh, I got like a blindfold on. We have no, no ability to have any kind of measurable goals. We, we never put, put ourselves... Uh, in, in any kind of um, box, we always just leave everything open-ended. We'll just be over here as long as we need to be, spend as many billions of dollars as we need to spend, and uh, it, and we'll look back 20 years from now, and we'll still be over there. And then we'll withdraw, and then the enemy will get all of our equipment and money. Uh, but M- Mitch McConnell um, had something to say over the weekend. He wanted to let us know um, that defeating Russia is of prime importance for the U.S. today. Russia, Russia, Russia. Let's listen to clip three. We're listening to the Ukrainians saying they don't have enough ammo. And even our Defense Department is saying we might have to figure out a way to get more funding so that we have enough ammo for ourselves and to give to allies like Ukraine. What is Biden's responsibility in trying to make sure that people in America whose support for Ukraine is softening will want to continue to try to help them? Well, I'm going to try to help explain to the American people that defeating the Russians in Ukraine is the single most important event going on in the world right now. It will save us an enormous amount of money down the road if the Ukrainians can succeed. They're not asking for any of our personnel. They're asking us for financial help. The Europeans are stepping up. They've done an awful lot that seems not to be recognized, for example, handling enormous numbers of refugees. In terms of the cost of it, Dana, it's about 0.02% of our gross domestic product. We are also monitoring very carefully the money that's being spent. There should be a bipartisan support for this. My biggest criticism of the president is he seems not to have done enough soon enough. Had he moved more rapidly, we might have been able to help the Ukrainians have even more success than they've already had. But it seems like these weapon systems tend to get there a little too late uh, on, on every occasion. Exactly. I'm sorry, I'm sorry public opinion is sliding, but I want to reassure the American people that this is enormously important. We need to stay together on a bipartisan basis in our country and defend these people who are bravely fighting uh, for freedom and for democracy in Ukraine. Okay, so I'm just going to break break down how half of the country, if not more, is feeling right now. So so you can – there are very well-intentioned, smart people that, that, that can have told me and can tell you that uh, America has a vested interest in defending Ukraine's borders, all right, even though we can't defend our own. Let me add that caveat. Um, I, I had on Frank Gaffney – a national security expert. I've had on Trevor Loudon to talk about this briefly. Um, we, we've all spoken or heard people 
justify the war in Ukraine. Like, why, why, why is the U.S. over there? What are we doing? And they'll give you this, this, this very logical argument about, you know, if we can uh, fend off uh, Russia, then we'll send a message to China not to mess with Taiwan. Um, you know, NATO stays strong, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it all makes sense, and I really can't argue with it. But the reason you and I have this gut feeling, this gut instinct, this gut reaction of, I don't want to be spending billions of dollars in Ukraine is because our very leaders that are signing off to the checks to Ukraine have utterly neglected their primary duty to serve the American people. And so, so we, have, we have record fentanyl overdose deaths along with other illicit drug overdose deaths going on right now. Everybody knows somebody that's died from an overdose. All that's flowing across our southern border, by the way. We've got a, a, a debt that had. there's no end in sight to the debt. Nobody's even talking about paying it off. A debt to GDP now is over 100%. All right. Uh, and, and there's and you you bring up bringing up um, uh, paying off our debt in Washington is like taboo. They like look at you with a blank stare. Paying off our debt, what's that mean? We got a record number of of of, of wasted money that our government's spending. Um, we've got our cities are, are are in a dump. High crime, high drug, homelessness. American jobs have been shipped overseas because we got to build up China and Mexico. We got to support our allies. So let's just ship all of our jobs over there. And so we got the, these plethora of issues that are affecting the homeland. Moral decay is run amok. Our infrastructure is failing. American families are demeaned, belittled. And treated as unimportant. People of faith are being attacked and jailed. But we got to go support Ukraine. So, so the, the main issue here is that we got to get our priorities in order. How can we defend their borders when we don't even defend our own? How can we fund their pension programs when ours are going bankrupt? See, this, it's not that it's the, there's a problem with, with supporting Ukraine. There's a problem that we've got our priorities completely out of order, and that is the leading driver of the cynicism that I just explained. Be back in a few. Where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. February 13th, 2023, at 1.43 p.m., Congresswoman Erin Healy of South Dakota tweeted, quote, extremist group Family Heritage Alliance said this morning that the safest place for kids are in families that have a married mom and dad. What a dangerous and un-American belief, end quote. When an elected official serving in the most potent branch of our national government Deigns to describe God's design for the family as dangerous and un-American, it reveals just how dark things have gotten in our nation. Repentance is our only option. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Shyness, stuttering, chronic illness, diagnosed anxiety. Does your girl see these hardships as her thorns in the flesh, as Paul described in the New Testament? If she sees these things as obstacles holding her back, how can you guide her to a transformed mind in light of God's kingdom? When Jesus talked about the treasure of the gospel message, he said it would be put into jars of clay. Clay jars are not the strongest container, and under pressure they can crack. But the beauty is, once cracked, what's inside can then shine through. Remind your girl that her weaknesses are meant to allow God's light to shine through her life. He can use her, even if she isn't the strongest godly girl. The Lord's kingdom can grow through your girl. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. In churches, and a lot of churches today, the issue of identity is sort of like the big elephant in the room. It's in the news, but it's not in the church. So if it's in society, it needs to be something the churches are addressing. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is now available for church screenings and events. Every person in America needs to see this. And all pastors need to show this to the church, get the people informed that the church and Jesus isn't the answer. Where's the world going? We want the message of the film to touch as many hearts and lives as possible. And we'd love to join with you to bring the film to your community. So let's say you have a small group or your church, or we've even been bringing the film into some prisons. We want to partner with you. So what we'll do is we'll send you a special kit and it's completely free and it'll just have some extra resources to help you promote your event. To find out more about how to host an event, go to inhisimage.movie and click on the host an event tab. That's inhisimage.movie. At the Core podcast are available at afr.net. Now back to At the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the core here on American Family Radio. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We uh, publish the show each afternoon in the form of a podcast, and uh, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll push that out uh, briefly after the show, and uh, you can go back and listen or share it with family and friends. We encourage you to do so. I do want to introduce our next guest, uh, Paul Kymanier. He's the counsel for the National Legal and Policy Center, and he's been tracking uh, the Biden family business deals and more specifically the what's going on or what went on at the Biden Center at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, Paul, welcome to At the Core. Thank you very much for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, Paul, we, we, we've covered this in passing, but not, not really uh, given it justice. Uh, set, our, set our audience up. For or tell a little bit about your, your work at the uh, NLPC, uh, but then set up uh, this story sure. about the University of Pennsylvania, the Biden Center, and the Chinese money that flowed into it. Sure, yeah. The National Legal and Policy Center is a, a public interest uh, watchdog group here in uh, the Washington, D.C. area, and we've been investigating the Penn-Biden Center for the last couple of years, and particularly the uh, Chinese donation connection. And uh, we found that uh, Chinese interests have given some $70 million uh, over the years to the uh, University of Pennsylvania. Uh, and then uh, we have evidence that uh, that money or a good chunk of the money 
was transferred to the Penn Biden Center. Now, the University of Pennsylvania denies that they solicit money specifically earmarked for the Penn Biden Center, but they do not deny that money from China coming to their coffers are then funneled over to the Penn Biden Center. I mean, China is not giving uh, $70 million to the University of Pennsylvania to fund their music department. No, no, they're, they're trying to <laughs> favor uh, interest uh, with uh, the university's international programs. And, and one of the international programs they have is the Penn Biden Center of uh, Diplomacy and, and Global Engagement, which does uh, programs with China. So uh, we looked at that and found out that uh, $22 million of that contributions were listed as anonymous, and there's one single donation of $14.5 million from a single source listed as anonymous that came in uh, uh, of late uh, 2018, and now we find out uh, there's money going to another university uh, called the University of Delaware, where Joe Biden set up yet another think tank and institute called the Biden Institute, and lo and behold, that, and he set that up to house all his Senate document papers from his 30 years as being in the Senate. And, and it's there that we, we call upon the FBI to look for classified documents, and our information is that they did do a search. We don't know what the results are, but we'll find out hopefully soon. But anyway, money starts flowing in to the University of Delaware, uh, and uh, in April uh, 2018 was the first donation of $3.2 million, and then a couple more million came in, and and in the last uh, uh, two years, we've got about $7 million. Now, what's interesting about those set of donations is that a good chunk of them actually have the designation that the money is coming from a, quote, foreign government source, end quote. Now, I fell off my chair when I saw that because the other donations to the University of Pennsylvania, the Penn Biden Center, didn't specifically say it was from a foreign government source, but a lot of the uh, uh, people uh, and the entity that donated money, like uh, uh, the uh, Chinese uh, bank or whatever, et cetera, are, of course, connected to the Chinese government, uh, but they didn't label it as a foreign government source. Here, they had no shame in listing <laughs> that these donations to the University of Delaware from a foreign government source. And it gets worse because these are listed as contracts not outright donations like they were to the University of Pennsylvania. And what do I mean by a contract? Well, let's look at what's going on here. Uh, 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 University of Delaware has a contract with uh, China's group. Uh, it's it's uh, uh, an organization that does uh, uh, research uh, uh, in, in involved in, let's see, it's called the, uh, it's with the Jinmen University which actively supports Beijing's military-industrial complex and actually conspired allegedly with Huawei, the, uh, uh, you know, the... Uh, uh, telecom company. Telecom, thank you, to steal our trade secrets. So there's a contract there, and Senator Marco Rubio uh, last year uh, sent a letter to the president of the University of Delaware saying, hey, you've got to cut out this contract you have uh, with this... Uh, a Chinese uh, uh, university and entity. 
so it, it's just unbelievable what's going on. And and our uh, group, the National Legal Policy Center, filed a complaint with the Justice Department two years ago to find that Hunter Biden and the Penn Biden Center should be registered as foreign agents of China under the Foreign Agents Registration Act, because we know that Hunter, when we got the laptop uh, information, was getting millions of dollars from a Chinese energy company. Uh, he wasn't reporting himself as being uh, a foreign agent, even though he was doing their bidding here in Washington, D.C., with his father and other politicos, etc. And that's sort of under investigation. As we are speaking, uh, by the U.S. attorney in Delaware, who's looking at not only that, but uh, over $2 million in back taxes that Hunter owes. And so uh, we've, you know, the thing is just a, a big mess. The classified documents is another uh, uh, issue that's going on here. Uh, uh, and so we hope that the uh, uh, House uh, Oversight and Accountability Committee, chaired by uh, Congressman James Comer, uh, we'll get to the bottom of this because he's got some uh, uh, basically uh, not subpoenas yet. They're basically inquiries, letters uh, of request to get documents from Hunter Biden. And last week, Hunter Biden's attorney told uh, the House committee to basically go pound sand. Mm. Uh, uh, we're, this is overbroad. You don't have a right to get into this. Who are you guys <laughs> asking us about Chinese influence with our government? And uh, so now we'll see what happens when uh, Congress gets back in session here uh, next week to see where this goes. Yeah, and Paul, it's important for our listeners to understand how, how China works. I mean, and n- number one, uh, this is influence peddling 101. Happens all the time in Washington, D.C., happens all the time oh, yeah. r- around the country in state capitals, all around the nation. Influence peddling does. Uh, you give money, you donate, you do a contract. And, of course, there's something that you expect in return. It varies uh, what you expect in return, the person who's giving the money. But this happens all the time. It's influence peddling 101. But also, China is set up in a way, unlike America, there's no such thing as like a private company in China. They might say there is, but all these right. corporations in China are all influenced, and, and, and at the end of the day, they're controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. So that's that's another um, important thing Absolutely. Uh, to, to, to dif- differentiate and help our, our listeners understand. Um, Paul, this is this is pervasive in Washington, D.C. and around the country. Uh, but in your experience looking into these type matters over the years, I mean, have you ever seen anything like this to this degree where you've got not only Biden himself, but his son uh, and, 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 and Biden's brother Jim and others heavily involved in this influence peddling in China, uh, Ukraine, and other parts of the world. Yeah, no, no, I haven't seen it uh, on this scale, and with respect to tying it in to the person who's occupying the White House, namely the president. Uh, I mean, you had the uh, Bill Clinton and the Clinton Foundation, uh, and what's interesting about that is that when they were setting up the Penn-Biden Center, the emails and Hunter's laptop, in terms of setting this up, uh, said to the people that were trying to come up with it, he says, hey, this would be a great idea. Let's set up the Penn Biden Center and the one at the University of Delaware, because unlike the Clinton Foundation, we don't have to raise the money. We'll just let the universities raise the money. So this is really uh, an unbelievable uh, you know, audacity to, to basically 
uh, use the universities as, as front groups for this influence peddling. And then you had 130 professors at the University of Pennsylvania sent a letter to Merrick Garland last year, the attorney general, who had what a program was called the China Initiative, which was designed to ferret out Chinese espionage at our universities and our research programs and stuff. And you had 130 professors sent a letter to the mayor Garland saying, hey, you've got to terminate this because this is racial profiling. <laughs> and what mayor, oh, my God. And Mayor Garland said, oh, okay, yeah, we'll tear that up. And therefore, we, we lost some good intelligence sources in terms of how the Chinese are influencing uh, our universities and our public uh, officials. Yeah, Paul, this this stuff's astonishing. But but anybody who's who's uh, been up to speed in what's going on in Washington over the last few decades, um, it gets this, these stories get more and more egregious, but not always surprising. Hey, uh, Paul, I appreciate the work over there at the National Legal and Policy Center. Uh, sure, appreciate your work yeah, over there. Go to our website, uh, yeah, nlpc.org, nlpc.org, and you'll see all the documents and complaints that we filed about this. That's great, uh, Paul, nlpc.org. Once again, we've been pa- talking to Paul Kamenier. He's uh, the counsel over at the NLPC. Hey, Paul, thanks so much for coming on the show. Okay. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Uh, appreciate that. That's a very, very good reporting there, and uh, glad we got groups like that uh, working to bring this stuff to light. Folks, this is our chief foreign enemy, China. Our chief foreign enemy, China, no, not Russia, China, Um is 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 influence peddling and not only trying to influence pedal but they're successfully influence peddling to the tunes of tens of millions of dollars with the biden family and half the country thinks this isn't a problem where is our influence coming from in this case it's coming from chinese uh, the chinese communist party if we think china's not a threat folks we are wrong they are the number one threat this Russia thing, it might be a big deal, but the China thing is a really, really big deal. And if you don't believe me, I cited this statistic last week, but I'm going to play the clip now. Uh, listen to this uh, congresswoman, Representative Harshberger, and, and listen to her talking about the percentage of America's pharmaceutical supply chain ingredients that are sourced from China, clip two. I've been coming to the Hill for 25 years, and this was before I was ever in Congress, talking to my congressmen and senators about my profession, the profession of pharmacy. I'm a compounding pharmacist, and we know that our APIs, or active pharmaceutical ingredients, 90% come from the adversarial nation of China. And I keep telling people, and I have said this over and over, they don't have to drop a bomb. All they have to do is cut our medicine off, and then we're in a heap of trouble. For example, like ibuprofen, we just talked about that, and, you know, over 90% of that particular drug comes from China, 97% as a matter of fact. And look at the shortages we've had recently, like the baby formula, like uh, the acetaminophen for children, the ibuprofen suspension. These things, there's, there's issues. And uh, this came to the forefront, honestly, I was on Homeland Security last session, and I was on Cybersecurity Critical Infrastructure Subcommittee. And the reason I wanted that so bad is there is a penicillin plant, the only penicillin plant in the whole country is in my district. And I I had to get the uh, critical infrastructure designation extended for that plant. And that tells you we are absolutely dependent on foreign countries for the things that we need for survival. And amoxicillin was short not long ago. So 
these things need to be brought to the forefront so we can either onshore or nearshore these manufacturers back to the United States of America. We do not need to be dependent on other nations, especially adversarial nations like China. I don't know why that's not leading headlines every day. You know, but Biden talks big, bad, and tough about China and how and how dare they think they're going to go into Taiwan, folks. We are at our weakest point right now. We're at our weakest point, and we don't even know it. We're at our weakest point, and instead of realizing it and addressing it, we're shipping our ammo and our tanks and our military equipment to Ukraine. We're focusing all of our attention on Ukraine and fighting Putin. And by the way, if you put Russia and China on a board and you list all the vulnerabilities to the U.S. under each of those, China outweighs Russia tenfold. We had a little bit of oil that we were getting from Russia before the war. We cut that off, didn't really miss a beat. The main beat we missed is because Biden shut down all the drilling and fracking and all the permitting. That's the problem, and that's a domestic policy. But other than that, we don't need Russia. We can alienate Russia. We can fight Russia. We can do whatever we want to do with Russia. The America, America doesn't need Russia. But you look at China, on the other hand, you just heard. 90% of our pharmaceutical ingredients are sourced out of China. So, so how can we, and that's not even mentioned their debt holdings that they have. That's not even talking about the uh, the technology that comes out of China, the, the semiconductors, uh, the, the lithium and the lithium battery ingredients and parts that come out of China, the solar panels that we source from there. Oh, by the way, our electrical grid transformers that are now brought to you by China. I could go on for another hour about the vulnerabilities in China, but we can't talk big and bad about how we're gonna we're gonna fight China in the South China Sea. We're gonna we're gonna defend Taiwan, folks. We are in no position to defend Taiwan by any means. We are in no position to defend Taiwan. Can we be one day? I hope so, but we're not there yet, and that's why we need to bring our attention back domestically. Rebuild our nation, rebuild our infrastructure. America first needs to be the policy. Be back in a few. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. 
Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I'm Corey, and this is my story. I was going through some financial troubles paying off my credit cards. I was paying high interest rates, and it just wasn't getting any better. And I knew I had to do something. So my mom told me about Trinity, and so I decided to call. Trinity was able to do something that I couldn't. I'm paying off my debt. I'm saving thousands, and things are really looking up. I promise you guys, you will not regret it when you call Trinity because it was such a relief and less stress in my life and it was the best thing I could have done for myself because once I called Trinity, they took care of me and I felt such a relief, a weight off my shoulders and they are a Christian-based company. I love it. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I'm Corey, and I'm debt-free for keeps. 1-800-788-1813. This is At The Core on American Family Radio with your host, Walker Wildman. Welcome back to the show. we got a last segment here. One and two under our belt. If you missed our previous interview um, with Paul Kamenier out of the uh, National Legal and Policy Center on the Biden Center at University of Pennsylvania, if you missed that interview, uh, don't don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast and go back to listen to it. By the way, I wanted to mention this, and then we'll jump to our next guest. Um, I am tracking this James O'Keefe story. Apparently, James O'Keefe was uh, let go by Project Veritas in recent days. And uh, there's about a 45-minute video out there that he that James O'Keefe put out um, talking about this, and I've, I'm sure we'll hear from the board of directors. But um, I, I just want to encourage our audience not to jump to conclusions on this. Um, uh, let's let's see what James O'Keefe says. Let's see what the board of directors say, um, and then and then we'll we'll cover it on the show in the coming days. But uh, we got to be careful not to to jump to um, uh, to conclusions on things that we know very little, if anything, about. Um, and we got to gather more facts before we can start analyzing situations. And the same thing applies uh, to the James O'Keefe story. So we'll cover that in the coming days here on the show uh, when we find out more of what's going on there. 
Uh, I do want to introduce our next guest, uh, Dr. Mark Sherwood. He's out of Oklahoma. He's a nutritionist, and he ran for the Oklahoma governor's seat uh, this past year. Uh, Mark, welcome back to the core. Hey, Walker. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Well, you know, I've I've been reading uh, from from others um, about what what's being called fifth generation warfare, and what America is or could be experiencing now, um, being provoked by many of our foreign adversaries. Um, break this down for us. When when people talk about and write about fifth generation warfare, what exactly are they referencing? Well, I think I'll answer that from two ways. Number one, to tell people what it's not. You know, back when we were growing up, it would be like, um, hey, if we have a disagreement, we're going to go back on the playground after school and, you know, kind of use your fist to, to duke <laughs> it out. That's that's true physical warfare. Um, and then, of course, you think about warfare and the, and the idea of war, you're thinking about bombs and guns and things. But in this idea of fifth-generation warfare, it's really an attack using propaganda and really information from from various vectors of and points. Agriculturally, you know, buy up your land, control your food. Mm. Um, environmentally, anytime there's a, a spill, like in Ohio, well, you see, this is what these type of fossil fuels do. We need to be all electric, get the parts and the cars and all that stuff from from China, for example. Let's throw a balloon over the U.S. to get people in fear that we're having alien invasion and we've been spied on for years. Let's allow the fentanyl crisis to go on with the open borders, and let's participate in that so we can get people poisoned with opioids. And Mm -hmm. so this is a constant drain on our psyche, Walker, and it it can wear you down over time, and eventually – yeah, it's almost like the Stockholm Syndrome, where you just started sympathizing with your captors, and you don't know you're there. And so it's been a long process. It's not something that we see over the last couple of years. No, this has been going on for a number of decades, and I think people are starting to recognize it now, finally, for what it is. Uh, Mark, do you think, in your assessment, that this is primarily driven domestically? Um, by our political adversaries and our ideological adversaries, or do you think this is being fostered and driven by our foreign adversaries, i.e. China, Russia, Iran, etc.? Believe it or not, I think it's both. Um, Foreign adversarial situations, obviously, because there are countries that that believe different than we do. There are communist countries that want to see America fall. There are people out there in leadership in those type of situations that cannot stand the idea of a constitutional republic and they want to take it over. That's called hatred. And they got that. But I think within, from a domestic standpoint, Walker, there's been people that have been unwittingly looped into this and even duped into participating. For example, like let's think about uh, economics for a moment. Big business persons here have, you know, company ABC and they realize to produce goods DEF here in America, it's going to cost you a sum of money. But if you go to China and utilize that young child, quote unquote, slave labor, and you outsource all of your labor, all your manufacturing to China, yeah, you're creating the economy over there, and you're trying to pass savings over here and unwittingly being duped into becoming dependent upon Chinese goods and services. And right now, you couldn't just say flippantly, well, let's stop 
importing things from China because the whole economy would collapse. Yeah. What you have to do is start talking about how to produce American and how to buy American and how to work American. And when you do that, you can eventually graduate sort of back, if you will, from the pit you've got yourself into. Yeah, Mark, this is uh, seems like a foreign topic for many of our nation's leaders. I mean, you talk about uh, producing domestically, and they, they, um, they look at you about like they do when you talk about paying off America's debt, um, an absolute foreign yeah. topic. And but, but, but to your point, Mark, I mean, this is like – we're we're de- we're defying our nation's defying our own instincts. I mean, the instinct of humanity is to survive at all cost, but our nation is like on a drug that causes us to bypass our nature of self-defense and self-preservation in the name of globalism and building nations overseas. Yeah, I think it goes even to the level of the love of money being the root of all evil, doesn't it? You know, when you get this money, fame, power. Uh, it within a person. We don't want to give it up. I mean, we all like to be appreciated. We all like that uh, feeling of having enough funds. And when you get so compromised in that, it has uh, sort of a, a bad taste to get out of it. And you're right. It is a, uh, I like how you put that, it is a foreign subject with our politicians. It really is. Mm-hmm. You know, they really have divested so much of their riches and earnings to this idea of uh, globalism or uh, world involvement. But when you get right down to it, I mean, this doesn't even pass the common sense test. To sit down with someone that hates your guts and say, hey, you know, I know you hate my guts yesterday, and you probably will tomorrow, but you promise, pretty please, cross your fingers and your toes now not to try to kill me in this next business deal. Mm. Well, if they lied to you one time, what makes you think they won't lie to you again? The bottom line is Americans should not be striking and continuing to uphold business deals with foreign entities that want to cut our heads off. Mm, that's good. Hey, Mark, uh, what what uh <clears throat> what can people do? Because, um, to, to your point earlier in the segment, you know, people get uh, I'll say we um, even as Christians, we get way too way too emotionally vested in the news cycle. Uh, we get way too vested in and really stuff that's quite far out of our control, even though we're, we are to be salt and light and we need to be uh, yeah. exert influence everywhere that we can. Um, but, but talk about uh, like emotional stability and what Christians need to do to, to stay sane and still be influences in society. Well, I'll use a passage of Scripture It's found in Daniel, you know, Babylon. This is what we're talking about, Babylonian principles here in this country and world where they're anti-God. They really are. And Christians are supposed to be resolved like Daniel was. Daniel was resolved not to compromise where he stood with his faith, with his belief system, with his practices, and he wasn't going to allow Babylonian ways to affect him. But he did go into Babylon, and he stood up tall for what he believed. Even though it may have cost him his life, and he knew it, it was still worth it to him. And you mentioned it. As Christian people, we're supposed to live with kingdom principles. We're not from here. We're, li- we're here just for a temporary time, Walker. And we're, mm-hmm. while we're here, we're supposed to shine bright. And who knows? If God promoted Daniel, why can't he promote Walker, too? If he put Daniel second in charge, why can't he do that for Walker, too? Mm. Because God is able to take care of us, and we do not 
need to be we need to be aware of what's going on, not be ignorant. Mm-hmm. But we don't need to be focused on it because when you focus, and this is important, when you focus on fear and trauma and drama and anxiety, you feed that thing. And all you're doing is feeding the enemy ego. That's it. We need to not feed the enemy ego, not give Satan more power than he has, and not certainly give him more power than he he's ever could ever have. Mm. I'm going to trust the power of God to supply my needs, all of them. Mm. And I'm not going to live in fear. Hey, Mark, um, one topic we like to talk about often is the rebuilding of America's families and how that's kind of the the undercurrent and the the footing that we need to rebuild this nation and and have a sense of of, of biblical truth, a sense of uh, moral truth that really directs and drives our nation. In your assessment, is the, the rebuilding of the family in America uh, uh, one of the key ingredients uh, to fending off this fifth-generation warfare and the direction of our country now? It is. And, and you know, Walker, it's got to start with men. Mm. I'm not knocking ladies out there. They're beautiful, awesome, amazing. But it's got to start with men. Yeah. Men, if you're hearing me now, please step up. Please do the right thing. It is all about the fathers being fathers again. Dads being dads and men being men. And that's the backbone of, of who we are as people. It's not a not a race issue. It's not a sex issue. It is honor. And we've got to get back to that. I think when we get back to that point, I have high hopes, man. I really <laughs> do. I, I don't think it's over as long as we're here, as long as we have breath. And, yeah. and that gives me hope. But, uh, but I do believe that you get right back down to that nuclear family unit on the local level. That's how you can bring massive national change. It's not going to be fixed from the from the, a national level downward. It's got to be fixed from the bottom up. Yeah. And the bottom up is not really the bottom. It's the family, which is really the top of God's food chain. Yes. Amen. Hey, Mark, uh, where can folks read more about your work and keep up with you? Yeah, they can go to Sherwood.tv. All of our stuff is there, our clinic, our movies, our books. And so we'd love to have people connect with us. Excellent. All right, Dr. Mark Sherwood, sherwood.tv is that URL. Hey, uh, Mark, thanks so much for coming on the core. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. All right. Appreciate that. That's Dr. Mark Sherwood out of Oklahoma. He's a nutritionist. He also ran for governor last year in the state of Oklahoma and has been on the show before. Uh, this is, this is you know, the if you want to summarize the biblical approach to the wickedness that we see today, and that's what's beautiful about God's Word is is God's Word gives us a plan. You know, we, we're not just moaning and groaning about the ills of today uh, without some type of strategy, some type of winning strategy. Well, that winning strategy, one of, the, one of the key ingredients of the winning strategy, of course, the first ingredient is spiritual uh, uh, awakening, spiritual renewal, and spiritual conversion for unbelievers. That's the first and critical ingredient. And then when you have that, uh, folks, you have a rebuilding of the family. You have a renewing of the family where mom and dad are committed to one another for life and a lifelong covenant, and they uh, produce children. They bear children and raise them to fear and respect and obey God. That's kind of the the, the, the basic uh, rebuilding building a society 101 that's it 
that's it. And then everything everything is downstream from that. Everything is downstream from that, from crime to homelessness to education to um, you know foreign affairs. Um, all of that uh, flows from from the family. But God, God gave us this local government control. The most local government control that exists is that within the household. Think about it. That within the household is what um, uh, the, the the most local government control is in the household, and 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 you you pull that that piece out, that linchpin out, uh, utter chaos ensues, and that's what we're seeing now in America and around the world is the 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 pin that uh, called the family that just holds everything together has been just hammered and hammered and hammered, and uh, and and we get the results that we have today. Um, so as as Mark said. Uh, men, men are called to be leaders in, in God's word. Men are called to be leaders, and men need to lead their families biblically. Men need to lead their families biblically, and if we'll do that and we'll be obedient to that, and that isn't to say we're going to be perfect or we're not going to make mistakes because we're all sinful and we're all fallen beings. But if men will lead their families biblically and teach their children right from wrong according to God's word, not according to man's word according to God's word, that is where we will see generational change. And this is, this is a long fight. This is a, we got to, we got to play Christians. got to do a better job playing the long game. We got to stop being swayed and oohed and odd by the, by the headlines and what happens today and what might happen tomorrow. We got to think generationally. We got to think, what are things going to be like in 10 years? What can I do to make an impact in 40 years from now? What can I do to make an impact when I'm not even here anymore, when I'm in eternity? That's how we got to think. We've got to stop getting our eye off the target and stop getting distracted, and we've got to stay focused. We've got to stay focused day in, day out. That's what the enemy does. Uh, that's what we got to do, folks. At the core, glad to have you with us today on the show. If you missed any of it, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Also, go over to AFR.net. Check out some of the links that we have there. Walker Wildman at the core. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.